Good morning. We're yeah. live on the podcast on Sunday, of August. It is a brand new month. And um, Luke, thank you for joining this morning. And even more de delighted after our conversation last Sunday about the stir that Michael Riley and View Rabbit has created and all the interest in viewings. But we've actually got the man himself onto the show so, this morning. Did, but did we get him before Kerfuffle got their hands on him? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, the easy answer to that is yes. <laughs> Whoa, there we are, world exclusive. <laughs> well, not quite. Um, I think Radio yeah. 4 beat us to it, but, um, you know. Okay. We're, it's so, podcast exclusive then. Definitely, definitely. Just a little behind, just a little behind Radio Four. So, um, Mike, thanks very much for coming on this morning. Really grateful for your time on on the Sunday. Do you just want to start through? You know, I know you have caused a stir, and there's loads of interest in um, your product. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself to begin with, um, and how you've decided to, you know, um, go down this route, and because um, you've really caused um, a lot of interest on LinkedIn, on Twitter on all the um, property industry platforms, a lot of chat. And I know Luke was down at the Property Academy um, this week and um, people were talking about it then. So thanks okay. very much. Um, we're not very good in England about talking about ourselves, are we? So I'll, I'll, do, my, I'll do my best for you. Um, so I started off in agency in 1993, worked for a um, small independent for about six months um, who um, sadly went out of business. Um, it was a pretty tough time to start in a state agency, as anyone of your listeners and you um, were in that market at that time. Um, and I really enjoyed the industry, so um, I worked pretty hard at that six months. I got a few job offers, one of which was from a company called Romans. So I spoke to uh, the boss of that state agency, my my the first one, um, and I said, well, what would you do in my position? He said, I think those guys are going places, you know, you might not have heard of them, but, you know, they've got a big splash of advertising in the paper. I've spoken to <clears throat> Dale and Peter and they're really good guys. So I said, okay, I'll go and meet up with them. Um, so I went to meet Peter Coles, um, had an interview and um, fell in love <laughs> with, with, not with Peter, with Romans. And uh, I started there and I spent the vast majority of my career there, mainly in two kind of stints. Um, one uh, up to kind of 2000, I had some time in um, tech. And then I went back about a mm, couple of years later uh, and uh, when I started off, I'd been working with Peter Coles and Dale in the office in Bracknell, which was really good. It's a big top tip there is if you can if you can be near where the HQ is and get to be around those people as much as possible, get in really early and see what they're up to. That is a massive advantage, I would say. And my second stint was with someone else you may have heard of or been with called Ian White. And he was my manager. Um, he ran the Sandhurst office for a while and I took over the Sandhurst office with another guy called Louis Despagnac. Um, and we ran that, and then we ran some other offices for Romans as well. So that's my, most of my career left there. Um, wanted to move down to the coast, um, uh, was approached by Savills, ran uh, an office for them for a couple of years as head of residential. That's kind of selling everything um, kind of upwards of a million quid. So I guess my entire career has been, you know, started off in Bracknell, ex-council houses, um, more recent sales when I started a hybrid agency were for a, a billionaire, Premier footballers. So I've done pretty much everything in a state agency, I would say. And I've spent the last three years looking very closely at tech um, and different platforms around that and marketplaces and studying a lot of what's been happening in um, America with new platforms. Um, 
and market design um, and uh, looked at a couple of different options in the last kind of year um, and then the market kind of flipped quite quickly um, so that's when we had to kind of narrow in on other aspects of the um, the customer journey and that's where kind of view rabbit started to evolve really okay. there you go. lovely thank you so um, you created a stir so view rabbit wants to charge 30 pounds for viewing um, yeah i think that needs a bit of i mean that's been a great headline for cutting through a lot of noise in the media and i um you know that's been fantastic but i think that needs a little bit of um let's just expand on that a little bit what we're trying to do really so my view is that the that if you look at the agency business there are some there are areas where the consumer is very unsatisfied one of those areas certainly at the moment is the home viewing experience so I think we can offer and agencies can offer a, a free solution to that. And our free solution at the moment for viewings is very muddled. You know, if you go to one agency, you get a free viewing that looks like this. And if you go to another agency, you get a free viewing that looks like that. And I don't think that's very clear for the consumer. So the first thing to say is we are not removing the idea of free viewings. Having said that, I think free viewings can be a much better defined um, and be just generally improved. But we think there's an opportunity for people to experience other types of viewings. So let's use a cinema example. Everyone can go to the cinema and watch a movie. And most of the time you're going to sit in a regular seat. But then nowadays there's a big fat seat at the front. If you want to go for a special night with your missus or um, your family, you can all sit up the front and take that opportunity. And that is happening in every industry around the world. Um, and I think that can happen in the viewing market. So I think the way of looking at it is, we're not suggesting you charge for a viewing. What we're suggesting is that you charge for a different experience on top of that free viewing. And I don't know what all the answers to that are yet. It might be that um, you know people pay for a longer duration. It might be that people pay for a guarantee that the house won't be sold before it happens. There are lots of different things that we can test. Um, and there's probably lots of different price points around that. But at the moment, the choices in the marketplace for search are fantastic. You've got right move. Um, is there anyone else other than right move zoopla on the market booming you know create a long list lots of opportunities on search for choice there's lots of opportunities for agents i mean if you want a free agent you can do that pretty easily nowadays you want a fixed price pay up front agent you can get that you want a really expensive agent you can have one of those you've got all that choice there as well choice for solicitors choice for everything but the way in which you choose to view a house has not changed and one of the big issues i think we've got as an industry is that our business model is, was set up kind of in, I, I'm guessing, I'd like to speak to someone who has been around there a lot longer than me, but it's probably set up in the 1950s, I would imagine. And it was based upon quite a genteel environment where you had a few agents and they kind of tick over of properties um, and not too many buyers. And that's kind of done us all right. And it's probably done us all right until the early 90s, I would imagine, certainly before portals, it's kind of done us all right because at that point, certainly in the early 90s, it was quite tricky to get buyers. So you had all the time in the world to spend with buyers. Buyers were getting quite a nice experience there because you were desperate for them. As the market has changed and we've had a shortage of supply, more and more demand, that, that business model is starting to fail. And it's really started to fail when you've got portals giving you the exposure that would have taken us at the start of my career, would have taken us 10 or 12 weeks of May. You know, I used to write all those envelopes out like everyone else used to, trying to get exposure to properties. That happens in 24 hours now. So you've got a very limited supply, immediate exposure and extreme demand. The business model that we have isn't functioning. That's point one. Point two, I would say, 
is that if we call that uh, the kind of market that we have at the moment, excuse me, I'm just gonna have some water. If you think about the market that we have at the moment um, as a cake, all right, let's call it fee cake. That cake is contracting all the time. Okay, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller in terms of the fees in which sellers are prepared to pay. But the slices of it are getting divvied up more and more because there's more and more agents all the time. And I can't see that changing. So we need to start thinking about other ways in which we can evolve the business. And I think this is one of them where we can look at other revenue streams, which A, help to support the agent um, and B, help to support the consumer's experience. And I think that there's some kind of axis there. Um, that will be good, really, really good for the consumer. And I think is actually the future of agency in terms of how we earn a living. The answer is we're testing lots of things so we can work out, you know, what, where that might, where that sweet spot might be. Um, but I don't think it is where it is, because I think it's a slow car crash that we're witnessing in our industry at the moment. And as an industry, we are really, really bad at defending ourselves against um new business models that are coming in with one voice. So if you look at what happened with Purple Bricks, as an industry, our reaction basically was, um, ooh, that's not going to work, this is terrible, um, that's rubbish. Um, and actually what they had right, about m many things they had right, was they, they thought the consumer wants a different experience to this. They might not all go for it, but certainly a proportion of them will. So if you go back to thinking about that fee cake again, very, you know, people differ on what their market share is. People will have far more knowledge about Purple Bricks' market share. But what we can say is they have taken a slice out of that cake that probably isn't going to come back again. And as an industry, we're not very good at defending ourselves against that. So we need a voice, I think, really in the industry, um, because at the moment, if it's not Purple Bricks next, it will be something else that probably none of us can really imagine, but that has a sweet spot with the consumer that will take a much bigger chunk than they have out of this pie. And uh, I think as an industry, we need a voice to kind of bring that together and fight it basically, because um, it, it will come. I don't know what it looks like. It's probably not V-Rabbit, it might be V-Rabbit, who knows, I don't know. But okay, so I've got a questions for you. Go for so, Yesterday, um, I went on a couple of lettings appointments, viewings. Yeah. Um, and there were 30 people seeing this one property. Yeah. So I've got no hope getting it. Now, would I have been interested to secure a, a single viewing, maybe, to get that particular property? Yeah. Maybe, maybe yes. Okay. But on the flip side, you know, the landlord has got this incredible competition that potentially he's going to get a higher rent as a yeah. result of 30 people seeing it. Yeah. So, you know, and I accept what you're saying about the consumer, and this is just reading all the things that I've seen in the press and, you know, being yeah. fair being fair to both sides. Yeah. But is the landlord not the consumer? And I understand the future tenant, the future buyer, potentially is going to be the future seller. But jo our job as a state agent is to get the best outcome for that vendor or that landlord. By them having 30 people there coming to see the property, you know, they're creating that competition that's going to get a higher price. I think uh, this comes down really, I think, as industry, you need to decide. We need to. I say you. We need to decide. I do see always speak as myself as still being an agent. Um, you, that doesn't shake off very easily. Um, 
we need to decide whether it's better for um, owners to have loads of viewings, and that's our message, um, and explain what that looks like. Or I think Mark Hayward said on BBC the idea that um, virtual viewings are now reducing, and therefore um, you know the number of viewings that are happening is reducing, and therefore the quality is better. What is the message? So that, that that's one issue that I've got. I think the answer. I think let, let's just talk about sellers for a second. I think there are ways in which the seller can harness that demand that may end up creating a natural network effect. So let me give you an example of something that we're kind of pickling with at the moment, which is imagine if that income from all of those buyers was going directly into promoting the property on social media. The owner gets a benefit out of that income and therefore gets more and more you know you end up end up with this kind of spiral taking place where the income coming in is generating even more um you know exposure for that property but there's all sorts of ways around this that might even be better for the, the seller as well i think there's another bit if you really get into studying marketplaces one of the things that comes out of it is um trying to focus on what they call the non-partitory marketplace so that's why is it that people aren't selling at the moment is one question. Now, think about the people who aren't moving rather than people who are moving. Um, I reckon there's a pretty good argument that many sellers don't move because that viewing experience and securing those viewings is a complete pain in the neck. If that experience was a better experience and a clearer experience, then I think you might find that actually you get more people moving because the easier the transaction is at each stage, it's like Amazon, you know, the fact is, it's really easy to order stuff. So where I would have thought, oh, I won't bother ordering, I can't be bothered to make a trip into town. Suddenly I'm like, I need this, I need that, I need the other. I think that that will happen with sellers as well if we create a better experience for them. And the worst part of the moving, I've just sold um, houses last year, um, sold my family house, and I bought somewhere this, this year. It's just a nightmare, um, that, that part of the search and you know, securing the viewing. It is super stressful, and it is the sort of thing that would put me off as doing it again as a seller. So I think there's a reverse to this from the kind of agent's perspective, which is if you make that bit better, I think you'll get more sellers coming to the market. I think rather than having a million or whatever the transactions are a year, we could get two million transactions, four million transactions. If you could move house and transact like that, you'd have more people moving, and that makes that fee cake even bigger. So uh, I don't know if that answered your question, but it felt yeah. like a good waffle. <laughs> yeah. Look, I know we've been, Luke and I, um, been to Australia, we've been to America, you know, so we've seen how a few of the models work. You know, one yeah. of the things that works very well in Australia is a vendor paid advertising. Um, yeah. That and, agents are, and agents are actually able to get that in Australia quite yeah. comfortably. If you look at yeah. Fine and Country's model, Fine and Country use that here. Um, yep. to get vendor paid advertising now you know i know agents have got withdrawal fees um, yeah i haven't really seen anybody apart from fine and country in this country in the uk actually use vendor paid advertising i will use it all the time that's i mean that that was part of the i mean i don't i you know it's been a while since i've been at Savills, but that's certainly part of your training is you know they are paying for those sunday times adverts that is the process that they they go through and when you're marketing very individual properties, you know, they need a very individual marketing approach. So that, that there are, so other than finding, what I'm saying is other than finding country, there are absolutely other agencies that do that. Okay. I don't know whether that's, I, I mean, for me, I think what, what agency will look like in the future is a, if we continue, we, we need, 
fees that can slide between the seller side of the market and the buyer side of the market, depending on conditions. That's one of the real tricks or um, difficulties about setting up new fee structures in this industry is that the market, you know, that you've got a shifting marketplace. Um, there are times where certainly the seller should be paying more. I think the future, I think we're in a contracting market and that will continue for a, a while in terms of the number of transactions. I mean, I know there's this kind of, there's something called COVID that's happened and that's kind of screwed, screwed everything up a bit. Um, but I think we'll end up in a situation where the seller is probably going to pay a lower amount if this restriction of supply continues for any period. And I think there is going to be some income coming from the buyer side. What we uh, And I think the experience, talk about America, the experience that people have in America at the moment, I mean, okay, fee percentages are significantly higher, but the idea that there is someone representing the seller and someone representing the buyer is probably a better model. The, this, we, we are under an illusion, or the maybe the, we, as an ag we as agents and the market is under an illusion that there can be one entity properly um, representing both parties in a transaction. It's just kind of nuts. I mean, if you look at what Mark Hayward said, I don't know him personally. I'm sure he does a very good job of what he does. I don't follow that stuff. But, you know, he said, the agent acts for the seller, is paid by the seller, has a duty of care to the seller. Many buyers will think the agent is acting for them because the agent is going to be helpful. If you were a buyer listening to that, you'd just be thinking, well, uh, hello, who's, who's representing me then? And what about my experience when I'm trying to do this? So I, I think the, the, the issue, probably there's some really cool stuff that we can do with technology. I think the thing I've learned about in the last week is actually it's about how we communicate what it is, well, A, working out what it is that we're doing, because that, you know, it's, this is all new stuff. And uh, the biggest thing I've learned is just how we communicate those messages, communicate to the general public and communicate to the agents um, as well about, about this change, really. Okay, so what, where, where do you see view, view Abbott then? So what's your plans in the next week, month, year? Um, well, the first thing to, I think the first thing um, that's important to understand about tech companies that I didn't appreciate as an agent really is when they're at this kind of evolutionary kind of point, you know, the real startup, um, they are very, very flexible beasts. And uh, the first thing to say is um, that it is really important that people don't take the first thing that we've done as being the thing that we will be doing forever. Um, we have all, Richard, I don't know how many times I've updated the website with the, the team in the last week, but it's like, right, actually, no, that isn't what we are. We are now, you know, th this is actually what we are. Um, and I can see that changing. So I think that's going to iterate quite a lot. Um, but I think I go back to the main thing that we're trying to solve is this issue around people's experience when it comes to viewing houses and booking viewings. That is broken. I think that needs fixing. Um, and we're just going to keep testing lots of ways of trying to achieve that. And I think from the agent's perspective, because, you know, agents have reacted in the way that agents tend to with change, which is fine. Um, I think agents can decide that if they want to join us and kind of get a front row, or not even a front row seat, be on stage during that, you know, this this new performance, then they can join us and do that. And we've got loads of different, you know, weird and wonderful tests that we like to run. You know, just just the booking viewings, paying a bit and getting it immediately refunded is, you know, a test in itself. And um, there's loads of different things: booking longer duration of appointments, giving free viewings on open houses, and longer viewings during the week. I mean, the, you know, the list of experiences or different types of viewing experience just goes on and on and on. So, if they want to be part of that, you know, 
just go onto the website, click on get started, fill in the form and we'll start speaking to you and, and having a conversation about what issues you think can be solved and how we can solve it. If they want a front row seat, just join us. We've now got a Twitter account. I've never used Twitter before. This is a new experience for me. Um, but if they want to just get a front row seat and not have, um, you know, edited press releases sent out, then they can see exactly what we're doing and, and where possible. I'm going to share that. Sometimes it's not always going to be possible. Sometimes it will screw up the test. Sometimes it won't be very good for the agents that are doing it. So wherever we can, we'll share what we're doing. But what we are doing is going to change very, very rapidly, depending on what we um, what we hear back from the marketplace. You know, there is a reason that this logo has massive ears on it, and it's because it reminds me to listen to what's going on and um, and change accordingly, basically. But there will be we will we will morph or kind of mold ourselves into a solution that fulfills a need in the consumer that is not being fulfilled currently and give them choice. We are not removing the free aspect, as, I, as I've already said. But I think we can do free better. Um, and I'd love that to be with um, the agents that exist in the marketplace. But you know, wh whatever, um, you know, if they don't want to change or don't want to look at these approaches, then you know, there'll be some other delivery mechanism to the marketplace. And it might not even be us doing it, but you know, I'd like it to be us. Doing it, but there's definitely that is the problem we're trying to solve. How many agents are um, testing the product at the moment? We've got different agents in different parts of the countries testing different ways. In fact, they haven't even started testing because they're all on hold for me this week, working out certain wording around what it is that we're doing. Um, and also, you need the right type of property at the moment. The system is set up to, um, to work on very high demand properties. Um, it's not fully integrated into their CRMs and stuff, CRMs and stuff. So they use our platform solely for one specific property. So it's like if you had a probate coming on the market, for example, and you knew you were going to do several launch days, you'd put all your bookings into that and you get all get emailed through. Um, so it's also about getting the right kind of property. But at the moment, I'm more concerned about just getting our messaging on the tests correct um, because actually that's the that's the trickier bit than the technology is really. Okay. <laughs> Luke, do you have conversations with your vendors and landlords? Is it something you yeah. would look at? Um, no, I completely agree that the, the viewing process amongst the majority of agents is below poor. Um, <clears throat> I remember listening to um, there was a Radio Five, and it was a sport, and it was actually a sports presenter. Uh, he lives in Leicester, but he was on um, uh, Radio Five, and his name's Charles Dagnall, and he's actually trying to buy a house at the minute. And he said. I have to travel two hours to go and view a house, and yet the agent only has to travel five minutes, and yet they're always telling me that they're running late. So just a simple thing. He said, if I can make the effort to make a two-hour journey and get there on time, and your office is around the corner, and you're late, and sometimes that can be 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and he went on a bit of a rant about it, and that's just an example of of simple simple things because people plan their day i mean everyone knows how frustrating it is when um you, you plan something and and you are tight for time and and time is a precious commodity in everyone's world now so um but i, I just i do think that the viewing process needs massive overhaul in, in most agencies and a lot of the a lot of them are simple fixes but i, I don't know if they don't put a specific value on that that it's going to lead to to better business in the future and then this this fee cake doesn't become much of an issue because it, it's all about like, providing those exceptional experiences i mean this week um two, two example two examples of that so 
um, and it's not estate agency related. So back in April, we ordered some wine and some beer for our team um, for Easter. And we ordered it from Majestic uh, because of a good experience we had when something went wrong. Um, but they absolutely cocked it up on delivery. So we ordered, it was about £1,400 worth of wine and beer for the team. Um, how many deliveries do you think that came in on a single day? <laughs> Six deliveries. So rather than sending it all in one go, their lo logic is that we use multiple couriers and you'll get it. And when I, so I got the first delivery, so I ordered crates of Corona, but they sent single bottles for how I ordered it as a crate and not, and so they sent single bottles. Um, and then as well, we did take, we did send in the email, but it can be with multiple couriers, but I ordered it as one order. I expect to get it as one order. You're, that's your business supplying wine and beer. Um, how long do you think it took to get the refund? I got, we got the refund on Thursday, just gone from April. And wow. That, and, that, and, and, that's, and that's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, the lady that eventually dealt with it was superb uh, because she took ownership for it, but so many people just kept on passing you from pillar to post. Another example, Amazon. So Amazon had their, uh, so this dates back to early in July, so when they had their Prime Day, they had some monitors on offer, they're about 100 quid off. Um, and there was a problem with delivery. So it's a Saturday morning. I went on the live chat that you've got on Amazon um, and said, look, it's saying that these items have been returned. You've never even tried to deliver them to us. Yeah, let me look into it. Um, fine. Yeah, we can see that. We're going to get some more sent out for you. But And that was over, over and done with within a couple of minutes. And Amazon to the size of Majestic, I mean, it's like oil tanker to little tugboat, isn't it? Yeah. So, and yet they've got it... I'm sure Amazon have their own problems, but whenever we've had to interact with them on on something like that and their customer service, whether or not it's a refund or a return or something like that, they've always been exceptional to us. So they've got the systems and they've empowered empowered their team to actually get this get this sorted and, out. And amazingly, you never speak to anyone. That's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. It's not yeah. like you have to hold on to a line and say, my thingy hasn't turned up. It's and it's not a robot chat either. You know you are talk talking to a real human. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very clever uh, uh, yeah. AI or, some, or something like that. So yeah. one, of the, um, one of the issues uh, it, that um, one of the agents mentioned was there's no incentive for excellence in the viewing, serve, in the viewing experience with agents. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, well, I, I think the incentive is in the long term and understanding yeah. this is a long term business and you're building relationships because if these people do buy or rent through you, or maybe they don't, you know, I've had cases where agents on the viewing um, have taken people to another agent's, literally dropped them outside the other agent's office after showing them three or four properties to say the property you want to buy is with that agent. Yeah. You know, and they've physically taken them to that agent. Yeah, and yeah. The, the buyer said, "Why would you do that?" Yeah, because that's what's best for you. You yeah. know, I know that's the property you're going to buy, and yeah. they've ended up buying it, and they've ended up selling through the agent who dropped them there. Yeah, and more importantly, he or they told every single one of their friends, "You know what? Whoever you go to see first, just go and see this person. Do not see anybody else." Yeah. You know, for me, viewings are really important. They are, and if agents have the, all the, if if 
every time an agent can deliver that could could deliver <laughs> could deliver that, then that would be fantastic. The problem is that that doesn't happen, unfortunately. I think one one thing I try to um, kind of a couple of things I'd like to finish on really is one is I expect that um, viewers will take a mixed approach to this. And what I mean by that is I think they will sometimes uh, look at a property's virtual tour and think, mm, that's all I need. They will sometimes view houses that they think, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll take a free viewing on that. It might be right, but it might not be. And then there's going to be other ones where they think, right, that is the one. I want to guarantee my appointment. I will pay money for that. And I think that's how it end up going. It's like that cinema seat experience. If it's a great movie and you want a certain experience, you're going to get the big seat. Or if it's just another regular old thing, you're going to you know, get a smaller seat. Um, I think the other thing uh, that's really important is just the feedback, a good feedback mechanism. I mean, that's one of the things that we put into the system is two hours after the viewing takes place. You know, feedback um, goes out asking for feedback about the properties you'd expect and whether they want to make an offer or not. But the big thing I think will make a difference is asking the viewer whether the agent was on time, uh, whether they were informative and friendly whether the online advert was accurate, because if you look at some of the Daily Mail commentary, goodness gracious me, the, the, you know, the, the, the stuff they are saying about agent accuracy online compared to the viewing is just crazy. So I think that would be good feedback. And actually whether they would recommend the agent to a friend. So we've got an MPS score built into the bottom of the feedback form as well, which I think, is, um, you know, I think that's a good way automatically of improving the experience for consumers. Um, but all I would say is, is a kind of second final point is, as an industry, there are two ways in which you can respond to the kind of chat in the press about this. One is to say, this is ridiculous, it will never work, this is outrageous. And the other is to have a more empathetic view, which is we appreciate that viewers don't always get the experience we would like to give in an extremely difficult housing market. And we think it's important to evolve and anything that can help do that and improve the service to consumers is a good thing. Don't need to mention ViewRabbit, but that is the best approach that agents could have because it shows that they're listening to the problems that customers have. And that is really important as an industry that we do that. No, hundred, hundred percent. Well, yeah. viewing that I went to yesterday, firstly, I couldn't find the property. We drove round and round and round to find it. And then we had to call the office and then we got a call back. And actually, when we called the office, it was, oh, you're the third person that's called this morning to ask where this property is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, that's one thing. Um, and actually, the picture taken on the, you know, on the website was totally inaccurate to when we turned up. So, you know, it was a great property. So that's from my experience, you know, yeah. and I do it day in, day out. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can understand what people, the reason, you know, people think about estate agents and letting agents. For Yeah, exactly. Stephen, I don't think I answered one of your questions um, very well. Maybe I didn't answer any of them very well. But the one about um, landlords or sellers want more demand. I think we have a typical agent way of looking at that. And I think another way of looking at it might be if you could guarantee a viewing might take place or a certain type of service, we might find that the number of viewings actually increases. Now, people might not go to view houses at the moment because it's such a pain in the neck. But actually, if they could get guarantees around that, you might actually find that demand actually increases for a person's property. If you add on right move, this seller will guarantee your viewing will take place and not accept an offer before a certain date. 
I reckon some people would respond to that. In fact, probably quite a lot of people would respond to it because they can see the, the seller is being fair. Um, and uh, so uh, it's very easy to think, oh, we're restricting demand, but actually it's about that non-partitory part of the market and thinking about how they might respond to it that's worth thinking about. Brilliant. Okay. Well, go. Have a good Sunday. <laughs> Thanks very Thank much. For your time. We're incredibly grateful that you came on. Um, <clears throat> we were, we were asked you what was better, Radio 4 or this. Um, you've only got one. And the answer one way. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, too, I'm too diplomatic to answer that question. Christian, <laughs> well, I'm really happy to come on again and share the experiences with you. And seriously, follow us on Twitter because we will, you know, we'll start I'm, start sending more direct messages out about what's going on. Really happy to do that and get started on the website. Just come and if you want to be an agent that um, is showing that they're innovative about how they see consumers and what experience they can have, just get in touch with us and we'll start you know if we can put some tests out to you and start discussing things we're really really happy to do that we really want to do that in arm and arm with the agent okay we've got one final final question that's just come yeah. in just one last thing doctor <laughs> isn't it simply about raising the standards of customer service still not sure how charging for reviewing helps so that sorry i didn't get the start of that so isn't it isn't this simply about raising the standards of customer service Still not sure how charging for reviewing helps. Okay, so I, I, I think that that's a side um, effect. I think what we're actually doing is focusing on choice. And some people will want a free viewing. And I think that needs very clearly defining by the industry as to what that is. And some people want a free viewing plus some bells and whistles. We're working on both of those things. Um, and I think uh, everything that we'll be doing will be in the realms of or hoping to increase customer service without without a doubt okay thank you thank you thank you for your yeah. time this morning my pleasure i do I, I found out something really exciting this week well it's exciting to me do you know we share a bed with amy from Swift every sunday morning she do watches now. <laughs> It made my day on Thursday when she told me that. Thank you, Amy. Very <laughs> kind of you. I don't know where to go from that. <laughs> so, so thank you all for watching today. Thanks for your comments as well. I'm off to do a 20-mile walk now with Joe where I and I can't wait. So um, I may still be walking. I think we may be walking to Birmingham. Luke, I'll see you tomorrow in Birmingham. Look forward to it. Yeah. And uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. And everybody, thank you for watching and listening this morning and watching on replay. Mm. Have That's a good Sunday, everybody. Thank you. Take thank care. you.